Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Fulton. Whoa, whoa, huh? Huh? It's fine. It's fine. I didn't think you knew my name. It's whatever. It's me and everybody's favorite, Benjamin Folak. Noted Folak draft guru. Makes, sounds like uh, like foe is in fake. It sounds like I, I'm, I'm an imposter, Benjamin Solak. Yeah, Benjamin it's Folak. It's a PH. I think I've done like oh, 900 thinking. intros to this podcast. And I have not messed up your name like that. I don't know what happened. I don't know what it is. Might be the lack of sleep from it's free probably, agency. It's not 900, but it is like in the high hundreds now that I think about it. Jiminy Christmas. I know. We talked to we each talk other way lot, too man. much. All right. So what we're talking about on today's episode of the podcast, first of all, we're getting Benjamin Solak's name correctly so we can officially start this bad boy. And then, of course, we are talking about the New England Patriots once again because we are recapping what is day two. Just out here living life, man. Of the tampering period. Just vibing. Just, hey, you want some good players? Let's go get some good players. It's not even, hey, you want some good players. It's Bill Belichick saying, hey, do you want some money? I got some. Here, take it. Have it. I don't care. So we're not only talking about the Patriots, but we once again have to start talking about the Patriots. We're also going to get to a bunch of other teams, including, you know, the Titans, Bengals, Raiders, uh, Matt Ryan's new contract and how it affects our draft needs. We're going to get to all of the major topics, I promise. But we have to start with the Patriots. I know we started with this last in the last episode, but like they continued their free agency spending of what was Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jonu Smith, Devon Godshaw, Henry Anderson, Matthew Judon, Jalen Mills, and they were. We thought that they were done. We thought they were like okay, they got it out of their system, smooth sailing. We get you know like we, like like a petulant child. All like, right, the tantrum is over. We're good. We have we have dealt with the toughest, and then we woke up this morning, and they signed Hunter Henry to a three-year, $37.5 million deal. What? What? And that's the thing. It's not even like, oh, we're not done. We're getting a top guard. No, they're like, hey, we're going to make Jonu Smith a top three tight end contract, and then you know what we're going to do with Hunter Henry? Tie- it again. <laughs> it again. Now, they here's gave the thing. Him, they, gave jo- they gave Hunter Henry... Or excuse me, they gave Johnny Smith yes. twelve point five million a year over per year over four years. Correct. They gave Hunter Henry twelve point five million over three years. over three years. Yeah. They gave Hunter Henry thirty two million, which is like eight million or thirty two million guaranteed, which is eight million guaranteed no, over four. No, no, no. They get, they give Johnny Smith thirty two million. Oh guaranteed. my god, this is so hard to keep track of. Johnny Smith thirty two million guaranteed over four years is eight million guaranteed per year. Hunter Henry got twenty two point five. Twenty five. Twenty five guaranteed. So he got over $8 million guaranteed per year. But it's essentially the exact same freaking contract. It's just Hunter Henry's got one less year. Not- obviously, how, how it's structured might be a little bit different. But it's to say that they literally copy-pasted the bones of the Janu contract, called up Hunter Henry's agent, and was like, hey, you just want to come do this with us? Should we come hang? Right. You know why this worked? You know, they, you know why they were out to just copy-paste the same exact document? Because they're massive deals. These these yeah. these aren't just any old tight end deals. These are both 
top, I guess technically I now have to say four, their top four contracts, even though they're tied at top three with with 12 and a half million per year, but also Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry now have the most fully guaranteed money for any tight end in the NFL. They have the best tight end contracts in the NFL. And they just they just threw the money at them. It, I, here, here's the thing about this, folks. Tell me the thing about this, Trev. I don't even hate this. In fact, I really like it. Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, they obviously had a big tight end need. They ran 12 personnel less than almost every single team in the NFL last year. They had to get in on this tight end market. I know they drafted two tight ends in the third round the year before, but clearly they weren't getting it done. They were not what they needed to be. So they go out and they get the best two available in free agency. Why? Because they got the money to do it. I love the move. I love the move for what makes the Patriots better. The money is just wild. Bill had... it's, It's the same exact conversation that we had yesterday. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on it because they just signed Hunter Henry. But it fortifies the point we made yesterday that Bill Belichick just looked at the free agency pool, pointed out exactly who he wanted, and said, I don't have time to negotiate with these dudes. I've got a tea time Monday at 2.15, and then I've got a boat reservation for dinner at 6.30. Nowhere in between there am I going to be able to go back and forth. I might have bad cell phone signal on the golf course. We're clearly not going to have cell phone signal when we're on the boat. I can't go back and forth with these people. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to call up Johnny Smith. You're going to offer him this contract. He's going to agree to it. You're going to call up Hunter Henry. He, you're going to offer him this contract. He's going to agree to it. Are we done here? Okay, great. I'll have the salmon. <laughs> okay. Beyond all of that, which is very nice, I agree in the macro sense that it is good that the Patriots, with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, who had in the past put together an unbelievable 12 personnel offense. McDaniel was only the offensive coordinator for one year in Denver, not in Denver, in New England, because he was previously in Denver with the Gronk Hernandez duo. Um, but their offense was like leading league in DVOA. And obviously Belichick was there for the, all of those years and it was great. So that is awesome. What I will say, you know, we do a little cautionary tale here from the Eagles, if you, if you don't mind, is the problem with paying two tight ends at a very high level is you feel like you have to use two tight ends at a very high level. And, and, and that like is okay. Like that's not a problem. You know, you could be like, Oh, the same thing is true of wide receivers. Yeah. But it's a lot easier to get two receivers on the field than it is to get two tight ends. And, and so there's, there's a, again, like if you're worried about justifying the cost here, then having those two tight ends means like, all right, we're going to play these guys a lot. We're going to put them on the field together a lot. We're going to be a base 12 personnel team. Nothing wrong with that. Like You can be very, very successful in that way. It's just once you pay these big contracts, you feel the need to justify them. And I think that that could potentially get dangerous for New England if they aren't as successful as a base 12 personnel team as other teams are as like base 11 personnel, classic spread approach, or base like 21 personnel, or like like the, the, uh, the Niners like to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's a little bit, there, there's there's always that sunk cost to be careful of. With that said, you know, uh, Hunter Hunter's a good player. John Smith is a good player. You're paying good players. That's all objectively fine. So uh, the, the only thing that the Hunter Henry addition really brings up to me is that you have to watch out for 
live forcing yourself to live in 12 because you think that's what you got to do because the money you paid when maybe you just need to become more of a spread team but we'll we'll get there when we get there a little bit you know what i mean we'll know that when we're when yeah. we uh when we arrive i think they want to run out of 12 like i, I think they want to run more heavy sets i do too yeah but and and so you know this just goes back to what we've been saying there is a blueprint for this to work we're kind of freaking out about the money that's being spent because yeah so it's a lot of money but it's not like they're spending this on well, they sound they signed Nelson Aguilar and Jalen Mills, so that's not entirely correct. But like, it, it's not like they're spending all this money on players who are just objectively bad and won't have a place. Maybe Mills is the case, but you know, I, I digress. There are ways that this could actually work for the Patriots. It just it you you've got to make sure you know what you're doing. And I I suppose Belichick has the pedigree to be able to not fall into that trap. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of right. That's where we are with with freaking anyway, out about the Patriots. Yeah. Shout out Patriots, man. Cincinnati Bengals. Hope you guys are having a good time. Cincinnati Bengals signed Trey Hendrickson. Four-year deal, $60 million. They let Carl Lawson walk and instead just went uh, went uh, balls to the wall for Trey Hendrickson. $32 million in fully guaranteed money, first two years, I think. Not fully guaranteed money, just $32 million over the first two years. Yes, and that's the thing is, like, I cannot believe I'm about to defend the Bengals and letting Carl Lawson walk so you can sign Trey Hendrickson. But I am. Uh, Hendrickson's money is actually not bad in terms of how they can move. I thought you were going to say not real. And I was like, yeah, no money is real. It's paper. Right. So I, okay. But it actually is not real in the classic, uh, you know, the cap isn't real sort of a way, right? He signed a four year, $60 million contract. Mm -hmm. The Bengals can start getting out of this deal after this season. So they're, they're, that, uh, that total guarantee is 16 million. All right. On a $60 million contract, that's less than 33%. That's pretty good. Uh, 10 million of that is baked into the signing bonus. So that's 2.5 million over four years. The rest of that money is salary bonus is salary this year and a roster bonus this year. And so after 2022, or after 2021, excuse me, so after this upcoming season, the only guaranteed money left on Hendrickson's deal will be the signing bonus money he's already been paid. So he's going to be a $14.5 million cap hit in 2022, second year of his contract, with a $7.5 million dead cap, all the remaining prorated signing bonus. So you could cut him and save 7 mil. That's decent. And then after that, it's 10 mil, and after that, it's 15 mil. So basically, what, what you should look at this as is a one-year deal. This is a one-year deal for Trey Hendrickson. If he gets 10 sacks again, they'll keep him on 14.5. You know what I mean? That's good value for a 10-sack player. By the time they start to get to 2023 and 2024, they'll start restructuring this deal to get some of that base salary guaranteed to make cap space for themselves. It'd be basically giving him an extension. In the event that Hendrickson's 10 sacks this year, his sudden breakout does not get sustained in a new landing spot, which is like a lot of those sacks were hustle sacks. There's a worry that he's not going to produce like that again. They're going to be able to cut him and save money back on the cap. This is essentially a little bit, not a little bit, it's a decent bit more than a true one-year prove-it deal, but it's essentially a one-year prove-it deal in terms of how it's structured. So at first, I was like, there's absolutely no way the Bengals are about to let Carl Lawson walk to then pay Trey Hedrickson more money. That's what it looked like. But Lawson got 30-something million in guarantees, right? Three years, 45 million with like 30-plus million in guarantees. Yeah, he got a lot in guarantees, yeah. Yeah, Hendrickson's only got 16 mil guaranteed, and it's all structured in the first year. This is a good 
deal for both players. If Hendrickson produces as he likely expects himself to produce, as he produced last year, he'll continue to make good money on this deal. This is a quality deal for a player of his caliber. And if he doesn't, the Bengals are going to be able to get out of it. This works. I think a lot. Good of, job, everybody. Yeah, I mean, like I think a lot of contracts should be structured more like this, and I feel like the teams that don't do this. I don't want to say don't work as hard to make it happen, but I just feel like there are teams that want to be a little bit lazier with the process, and that kind of ruins the market for others. Like the Trey Hendrickson deal, I, I agree with you. Like it, it, I think it's a nice deal. The number, the original number, is a lot, but I feel like contracts should be a lot more performance based than they are. There are some contracts where I just go like, okay. I don't think you needed to give this guy all this money up the, up front. And maybe the market said it like that, but the Trey Hendrickson deal was the sign of a job well done, I think. I agree with you. They also yeah. signed uh, Jadobi Wuzier to a three-year, $21 million contract. And they also went and got nickel cornerback Mike Hilton, who is a very underrated corner. You know, maybe not so underrated anymore because he just signed a four-year, $24 million deal. But they upgraded their corner room. William Jackson's probably not back. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander's probably not back. So they changed a lot of things in their corner room. But uh, what do you think about the two corners there? I think they're still paying Trey Wayne's like thirty million dollars. Well, the okay, next two yeah. I mean, like that's right. Like last correct. year, they last year they did this. They're like, we're going to give Trey Wayne's big money, and we're going to give a deal to Mac Alexander. And we were like, these are bad players. And then guess what? They weren't good for the Bengals. And now you're giving Cheeto Wuzier. 21 over three. Sure. Okay. Mike Hilton, 24 over four. I know you like Mike Hilton. I like Mike Hilton as a blitzer. I like Mike Hilton as a run defender. Mike Hilton in man coverage? Not as much. So I'd like, you can put money on players and say that putting money on them makes them good, but that only works in the no, summer. Eventually I, I, they right. got to put cleats on and play. Listen, I don't, so I, I, don't I, I don't believe that's yeah. true at all. I don't, I don't think that, yeah. I don't think that just because there's money on the player that makes them good. I, no, I'm certainly higher on Hilton than you are, but. I also think that they yeah. got good play out of Mac Alexander last year for the nickel. So that's a lot of money to be given Mike Hilton, depending on what Mac Alexander gets. Right. He, hasn't, he I, hasn't signed anywhere yet, right? I don't think he has. No, I don't believe he has. Okay. And right, and obviously William Jackson's still in the market. And so there's, there's, no, there's no way they're bringing Jackson back after no. the Uzi deal and after the Hilton deal. So it's like, all right, uh, I don't think your corner room got better. I'm impressed that you spent money. Like you always spent money on Cheeto Uzier. All right. Let's see how this goes. I I don't think he's gonna be better than William Jackson, man. And like I don't know why you're 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 going cheaper at this position. It's a premium position. You're not a very good team. So I I don't know. Like I I think that's too much for Awuzi. I think it's too much for Hilton. And I'm not surprised it's the Bengals who made those decisions. You know what I mean? We're gonna oh, talk. That about- was so mean. I felt very rude. <laughs> you did. You did. You you got a little you got a little savage there. We're gonna talk about the Raiders offensive line, or. What's left of it? The Raiders don't have an offense line. <laughs> Talk about, brother. After uh, after we get to this ad read, bet online's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, NHL, they're all in full swing. Bet online even covers all of the award shows, TV shows, reality TV, whatever you're looking to put money on. Bet online has you covered for all of the new scores, odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. Plus, it's free to sign up. You can head over to their website or use the mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That promo code that you got to punch in for that is locked on. All caps, one word, locked on when you make that first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. We're going to get to whatever remains of the Raiders' offensive line and much more that happened on day two of the tampering period after the break. 
Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked on Bets, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. It's a good segue because uh, your boy Q, one of the hosts of that podcast, he's a big Raiders guy. He also, he also hosts Locked on Raiders. And so now we get to talk about what the Raiders have done with their offensive line. Today, amongst a lot of other moves that they have made on their O-line, they decided to release Rodney Hudson, which was a shock at first. And then you realize that they're actually paying to do it because he has 15 million dead cap and will actually make them 2 million worse on the cap for releasing one of the best, most reliable interior and just plain offensive linemen in the NFL. And that took this from shocking to, oh my God, what in the hell are Gruden and Mayock actually doing over there? So, okay. The... Raiders offensive line. I remember we did like an offensive line draft during the offseason. I took the Raiders quite high in that, if memory serves. Because uh, at the time, they were a good offensive line. Yeah. From left to right, Colton Miller, Gabe Jackson, Ronnie Hudson, uh, Richie Incognito, and then uh, uh, Trent Brown. Brown. They trade they trade Trent Brown to the Patriots. Uh, okay, cool. Save $14 million on the move. Nice. Uh, good player, but $14 million is also helpful this year. Cool beans. Uh, they, they cut Richie Incognito. All right. Uh, 5.5 million uh, in space generated. Incognito's played well for you. Uh, obviously, like Incognito is a little bit of an inconsistent guy to rely upon. He's had his mental health struggles. He's had his struggles off the field. Uh, maybe you want to move on from him. Maybe you think that 5.5 can be spent elsewhere this year. Okay. Uh, Gabe Jackson like isn't even a- officially released yet. I think it's it's been reported. Yeah, he's, he's not officially off the team. Right. Raiders to release Gabe Jackson reported like March 3rd. I'm looking at Josina Anderson reported this. Uh, They saved 9.5 by cutting him, though, obviously, with the other moves they've made, it's like, are they going to do that? But anyway, it's been reported they're doing that. I don't really know the situation there. Is Gabe Jackson going to be a post-June cut? Post-June 1? Maybe. I mean, they're saving 9.6 on him already. How much more do you need to save on the cut? Uh... Oh, shoot. I, I typed in the wrong thing. Wow, maybe learn something. Uh, and then I'll, right, I'll get back to you. And then you have Rodney Hudson, who, okay, all these other moves, like you've at least been able to explain it with cap movements, and, and you're expecting subsequent free agent signings that are going to indicate why these moves were made. Uh, and instead, you learn that Rodney Hudson costs money. Now, Hudson uh, uh, wanted to get out he gave back reportedly some signing bonus money to try to expedite this he requested his release yeah, maybe it's why? because why? right maybe it's, he doesn't like gruden apparently okay, maybe it's, but this is a problem yes maybe like it's like all right you're getting rid of my buddies uh i, I want to play with my friends bring my friends back like i don't know but now like we just got we just got trevor the best Derek Carr season we've ever seen. We just got it. And now he's going to completely lose all of his protection. Mm-hmm. And he's going to now be relying on rookie receivers because uh, Tyrell Williams is gone. Obviously, Tyrell was never really a thing. Uh, Nelson Aguilar gone to New England. It's Darren Waller, and then it's Henry Ruggs, and it's Brian, it's Brian, Brian Edwards. Like mm-hmm. This is, this is going to be the approach. It's the infrastructure 
on offense is crumbling. And the criticism coming into this offseason was that Gruden and Mayock could only invest in an offense and the defense needed attention. And guess what? Since then, the offense has gotten just worse at every single turn. What is good about the Las Vegas Raiders? What's good about the team? There's, to me, there's nothing that remains. And that's extremely concerning. That was my first thought was that was the Derek Carr point that you made where, you know, what's Carr's... I should have I should have looked this up beforehand. You're looking for Carr's cap it this year? Yeah, I'm looking for, for Carr's overall contract. Okay, so his cap, it's cap hits... It's really not that big. I mean, like, his cap oh. hits $22 million this year, and he only carries... Two million in dead cap. So if you move on from Derek Carr, like even if you just cut Derek Carr, you're saving yourself twenty million on the cap. Next year he's a nineteen million cap hit. Again, not very much. No guaranteed money. So you can move on from any time. And then twenty twenty three, that's the end of his deal. He's gonna be thirty this year, he's gonna be thirty one next year. How do you think having him on your team does anything over the next two years? How do you look at this Raiders team? Think of what could be their winning window, which is truly no longer the case with an offensive line that is decimated. A young wide receiver. I mean, like, look at the best things that they have the most on offense. Okay, Darren Waller, yes, that is is one good player right there. Josh Jacobs is still very young. Henry Ruggs is coming into his own. Hunter Renfro is a slot wide receiver. Brian Edwards barely even played last year. Now you're getting an entirely new offensive line? Trade Derek Carr. Trade Derek Carr. And they were they were one Just of the teams it. on they were one of the teams on the hypothetical Russell Wilson. I don't want to be traded, but if I did want to be traded, I would want to be traded too. List and Dallas is off because they resigned Dak, and the Chicago just left because I mean they didn't really leave. Like they would still trade for Russ if they could, but they just signed Dalton. And well, so, like, they signed Dalton, and then Schefter came out with his tweet saying that they made an aggressive push for Russell Wilson, and the Seahawks said no. So if I, I don't think Schefter is tweeting that out if the Bears still thought there was any way Russell Wilson was coming to Chicago. I don't think he is. But I don't know. I, I don't know what you do. What do you do with Derek Carr at this point? You play him for the next two years. You're mediocre for another two years. Mike Mayock gets fired after next year. Gruden goes on the hot seat the year after that, but you're not going to fire him because he's only five years into a 10-year deal. Ooh, let's let's check the Gruden tracker. He's He still has, what, six years, $63 million to be paid I'll out? I'll be able to tell you exactly. Just wait until I click through this link. Stupid. Are you familiar with the the is Gruden gone yet clock? No, no. Oh, I I this was a thing right when he signed the deal, and it's now uh, I I just reposted to my Twitter. You can find it on my timeline. If you go to is really Gruden gonna, you're gone really yet? You're really gonna make me go to your timeline. It's it's go it's I was literally about to read the address before you cut me off. It it's is Gruden gone yet dot com. Uh, the center of the page is the word no in all caps. Below it is a ticker of the amount of years, weeks, days, hours, minutes, and seconds that is still on his contract. Oh and there's a live ticker that shows how much money he's made since you arrived on the site. Since I've been talking, this he's made $13.68. Is incredible. Shows the amount of money he's made in total and how much he still owes. So to answer you, Trevor, Gruden is still under contract for another six years, 43 weeks, one day, 15 hours, three minutes and 27 seconds, 26 seconds, 25 seconds, 24 seconds. And he's still due $68,089,466.20, $465.50, cents, zero cents, so on and so forth. I think it's a great site. I think that John Gruden is a very good football coach. I really okay. do. Okay. I. Tampa Bay bias, whatever. No, 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 no. I, I think that he is a 
very smart football coach. I really do. He is an awful team builder and roster builder. Are you, he, are, are you about to tell me that, that that the head coach should not have major impacts on roster control in a healthy he- NFL franchise? The head coach should not have major roster control in a healthy NFL franchise. I mean, you, you can even go back to when he had success, of course, when he was with the Buccaneers. Look at the defense that he inherited. Of course, it's Tony Dungy's defense. It was already built before then. It was a Hall of Fame defense with just star-studded players everywhere. And then when oh, Gruden and then when Gruden got there, of course, like they had guys like Keyshawn Johnson. They had Brad Johnson. They, they had a solid offensive line. They had the running game that they needed. And all Gruden did with that team is he made the offense – capable enough to complement the defense the way they need to from talking with my boss at peterport.com scott reynolds about the good old days as we as we used to call them because scott covered the team even way back then wow scott's old shout out scott <laughs> Jeez, didn't mean that that's, he, that's what it sounded like to me he would tell me scott would tell me stories about how gruden would come into the glazers who is the owner of the buccaneers come into their office and just demand that they go out and sign these just big name 30 year old free agents to come to the team. And they're like, no, like what? No, we're not doing that. Like this guy, one, this guy's not very good Two, We're not going to sign like this just old player. And just like the demands that Gruden had and the stories that I know of, of him as a team builder, even going back to the early 2000s with the Buccaneers have always been bad. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with the Raiders not many people do but whatever it is it's gonna get Mike Mayock fired next year I really do think that Mike Mayock's gonna get fired a year from now because I Mm -hmm. think that he is going to I look at the Raiders do you think the Raiders are gonna be better this year Ben do you think the Raiders are gonna be better this year or do you think the Raiders are gonna be better this upcoming year than they were the past year no how does Mayock not get fired at right. that at that point, you are four years into Gruden's tenure. You are three years into Mayox, or did they come in at the same time? They came in one year. Mayox was one year after Gruden. Right. Right. Okay. So yeah. so Mayox's been there for three years. You then look at Mayox's draft classes and you go, okay, there's a lot of holes here. You no longer have a good offensive line. The team took a step back. Your franchise quarterback is now in the final year of his contract. Your winning window does not exist. There's no timeline for it. You're out. Goodbye. They move on from Derek Carr. They move on from Mike Mayock. And John Gruden stays because you can't get rid of him because you signed a stupid contract. That's the path we're on. The Gruden contract, man. I mean, like, at the time, we were all like, what? And now we're all like, what? Like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, It's nuts that we got all the way here. And, yep, indeed, here we are. Um, I remember writing about the Mayock hire when it happened. And I remember people not being happy about what I wrote about the Mayock hire when it happened because we all love like Mike Mayock as a dude who was in the media who like Mike Mayock would drop his positional top fives. And I would just like, be like, this is it. Like this is not only is this like the order in which they're going to go off the board, but there are going to be names here that I don't know. They're going to matter. His last public board, he just dropped Will Disley in the middle of nowhere. We were all like, who is Will Disley? Like He's a Washington tight end with four career receptions. He's going to go in the second round. That's exactly what freaking happened or whatever. So, like, Mac was the man. The only way, this isn't like Lewis Riddick, who has 
front office experience and now is a league guy now is a media guy and is trying to get back in the league the only way a complete and 100% media guy was going to get a job like this was under completely insane circumstances and those insane circumstances were John Gruden on a lifetime freaking contract <laughs> for a Oakland Raiders team about to move to Las Vegas it like it was there was, this was the only and and you know, Gruden and Mayock undoubtedly would hang out at events when Gruden was a broadcast guy and when Mayock was a, 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 a not a broadcast guy, but a, a TV guy. And they would talk about what they would do if they ran a team and they were like all these grandiose ideas. And then rubber hits the road. And guess what? It's really, really hard to evaluate prospects. It's really, really hard to build a team successfully. And unlike all of these other GMs who have tried to build a team, who have tried to evaluate prospects and been bad at it, Mayock does not have the the institutional safety net that is the cocoon of NFL bodies and NFL experience. He is an outsider. He is being given a shot that a bunch of other people in the league do not believe he should have. He is set up to be a scapegoat from day one. Right. Oh, right. We tried it with this guy and it didn't work. That's so it's the it's such an easy explanation. Right. And especially when. There are, you know, it's you're, you're, you didn't necessarily get to put together the greatest staff because there weren't necessarily all these guys who wanted to work for you because they wanted your job and yada, yada, yada. So all of this to say, this was an uphill climb for Mayock, but it was the only climb he was going to get. He got it, and he drafted Cleveland Furl at four, you know, and he made the draft of Jonathan Abram in the first round, drafted well, DeMond in the first round. Maybe. Okay, we say maybe, but... What at the end of the day, who's responsible for no, it? It's the GM, I, right? This is I. I am one hundred percent echoing your point when you say he was set up to be a scapegoat. He always was coming in one year after Gruden, being somebody that doesn't have the experience to stand up to him. Doesn't like all of that. Like all of this, it goes toward you know, like the head coach being the one to hire the GM. All of that comes into the fact that if they were going to fail early on, which was a good chance it was going to happen with Gruden's track record of team building and when he's in control, Mayock was going to be the first to go. And this has kind of probably always been the plan. And I, I like Mayock. I think Mayock's a good dude. He's fun. I loved him as a broadcaster. He was a really good personality on NFL Network. Like, I objectively liked Mike Mayock, but unfortunately for him, I think we're going to see him on the NFL desk a lot sooner than right. he would have liked. This this was the this was the swing he was gonna get, and I'm glad that he took it. And I, I am too. Right. We all we all would. We all would. John Gruden, wants, so, to, John Gruden right. wants to call me up to be a scapegoat tomorrow. Absolutely. Right. And so it's like, what what do you say? But you know, shout out Mike. Hopefully you get to go for it again. Like I don't know. Like <laughs> right. you know, I just hope like you know your hair isn't falling out too much. They had to go through. Oh my gosh, they had the whole Antonio Brown thing. They had hard knocks. I yeah. completely forgot. Mother Mary, poor guy. I remember, okay. I remember, because you were you were at that East West Shrine game, I, I believe. When, when we saw him, yeah, when, when it was all going we, down. When, when we saw Mayock, and Drew Rosenhaus was there as well, and I remember walking by Drew Rosenhaus having a conversation. Antonio on Brown's the phone, agent, yeah, talking. Yes, yeah, Antonio Brown's agent at the time, talking to someone, and I remember him saying like. Just like I, I like I can't get him to listen to anybody. Like he won't listen to me. I don't know what to tell you. He like he's not gonna he's not gonna listen to me. But he said Antonio's name, so I was like, oh damn. And I was just walking by him in the hallway, so it's not like I'm gonna see him stay there and listen to it. But then I remember seeing Mayock 
and Rosenhaus have a heated conversation in the corner of Tropicana Field where the East-West Shrine practices were going on, talking about Antonio Brown. So that was his first time on the job, and that's a story that's that's very random of what we're going on. But uh, yeah, not great times for the Las Vegas Raiders. You know what, Ben? Tell Every, me. Everybody in life needs to find someone that they love and appreciate as much as Dave Gettleman appreciates Leonard Williams. <laughs> Leonard Williams got a... I thought you were throwing a, to add, to be honest. Yeah, I know. I thought we I, were doing... I, I, I wasn't sure where we were. You got me. No, no, we're not for ad time yet. Leonard Williams got a three-year deal. $63 million, including 45 mil fully guaranteed. Yeah, buddy. Only way to do it. When you have a solid player, you have to pay him like he's elite, Trevor. Especially after you traded multiple picks to franchise tag him. You just gotta keep just just keep on all he was a top five pick. Was he a top six pick? Top six pick, top five pick? I think he was he, an early pick. He went Leonard Williams went four. Oh no, no, no. Guess. Don't look it up. I'm gonna look it up. I'm, I'm guessing four. I think he went No 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 no. I thought no, he went six. No, no, he went six. No, he but went, Jamal Adams went six. They both went to the the Jets. Did they both go to the Jets at six? No, Adams went five. It's Leonard. It's six. Leonard Williams went six. Lock it in. Leonard Williams <laughs> was picked number six in the twenty. Yeah, why don't you draft. suck it there, Chief? What are you talking? Anyway. I said six. No, I said it first. No, I said, I said six, no, no. and you said Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams didn't get picked until like two years later. Right, I was just thinking, I was trying to think of Jets players and the numbers at which they were picked. I said top five player, wait, was he a top six player? And then you said four. I was right before you were right. End of story, I win, goodbye. Anyway, uh, Leonard Williams is a good player. This game is good. BS. He's good for the Jets. And I think that this is like, a, like a, a, or he's good for the Giants. I think this is a fine deal for them. I totally get it. It's just too much for that player. And sometimes that's what you do, right? You just pay too much for a a good player you know you you overpay but this is now the second highest paid interior defensive lineman and i'm not sure he's going to produce on a yearly basis like that i mean you're right leonard williams is a really good player the giants couldn't lose yeah. him. that was it that's they they put themselves in a situation where they couldn't lose leonard williams they franchise tagged him they were Ooh. going to get a long-term deal that's Ooh. it we have william jackson news breaking on the podcast oh okay what, what? william what jackson has reached an agreement with uh -huh. The Washington football team. I oh, like yeah. it. Yeah, nice. Do we have we the lost details? Ronald Darby? We got no, just Shafter just tweeted a minute ago. Okay. Ronald Darby, or excuse me, William, so Ronald Darby went to the Broncos. Yep. Uh, and now this is William Jackson replacing him. Likely a better Ooh. player. Likely a healthier player as well. You can uh, project availability with more confidence uh, in, in William Jackson. And I think that it's a match quarters the approach in Washington. I think that Jackson will be successful in that, in that role. Now I'd be curious to see how his numbers compare to the numbers of uh, Ronald Darby, because I think that Jackson's probably an over $10 million per year player, but if it's close to Darby's numbers to me, that that's a, that's a significant upgrade in play at a, only a smaller uptick in price. That's going to be a win for the uh, win for the, the Washington football team who I've loved everything Washington's done so far including signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, baby. Hmm. This podcast endorses this decision because I'm pretty sure we talked about it at some point. No, I love uh, it. 
one year, ten million dollar deal if yep. Emory serves at, at its full escalator, at its full incentive. No, uh, full incentive is twelve mil actually. Full incentive is twelve. Excuse me. So mm-hmm. deals at ten. Full incentive is at twelve. This is the best quarterback that was going to be available for a team in a competing window, which no I would argue doubt. Washington is. No doubt. Uh, obviously, they won the division at seven and nine, so it's not like they were a home run team. But the defense really locked things down. The young players on offense started to establish themselves. You you lost Ronald Darby. You get William Jackson. You solved that problem. You need to deepen your wide receiver room behind Terry McLaurin and shore up your tackle positions. You've got uh, 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 Chase Roulier. You've got Brandon Scherf. Your interior is great. Um, but your right tackle, Morgan Moses, is getting older, and your left tackle obviously was a bit of a turnstile after you've lost Trent Williams. You want to make, uh, you want a starter at tackle and a starter at wide receiver remaining on this free agent market. If you can get both, and it frees you up in the draft, you're in a great position uh, to field a competitive team in 2021. Hopefully, then you get a free agent quarterback quarterback on the market for 2022. Because I don't think you're going to be in a position to draft a quarterback again. But we'll deal with that problem when we get there. Right now, let's finish dealing out the roster. I love them for Kenny Galladay. I think he would be a great. I would too. And Kenny Galladay is still unsigned as we record this right right now. And just an awesome alternative to Terry McLaurin. Just two very different players. Yes. Um, who will complement each other well. It will allow McLaurin at times to line up in the slot. It will put Galladay on the line of scrimmage, give McLaurin a Z alignment. Yep. And I think with the Z alignment, McLaurin can get off press. He's awesome. But that Z alignment off the line of scrimmage means you can put him in motion. Right, now you can right. That's perfect. Then you throw him screens. That's great, right? I think McLaurin is still your target one, even if you're paying Galladay more. Uh, but that's a nice problem to have. Even if you're trying to balance two divas, you know what? Like That just means you've got two good players. I don't, think it's, okay. I don't think it's a diva. I mean... Terry McLaurin was voted a team captain immediately already in here his second year. So like like the dudes, right. I think that he would be totally fine with that. And and obviously they're going to extend uh, Terry McLaurin, but he's also just coming off of, you know, he's halfway through his rookie deal in which he was drafted in the third round, right? So I, I'm sure that they're going to get to him eventually. It's not like, it's not like when he sees Galladay get money, he's like, well, why the hell am I not getting money? He's only halfway through his rookie deal. He knows that's not how it works. I think that he also knows that he is absolutely going to get paid over the next year, maybe two years, depending on the timeline of when it happens. By the way, the William Jackson contract, three years, $42 million, 26 guaranteed. That's 14 per? You know? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, that's, mar- that's market. That's market. To me, that's that's like fine. It's not a win. It's not a loss. Uh, I'm trying to think. That's probably right at the fringe of top ten. I think. Yeah, I feel like that's, I feel like that's a lot of money, actually. Fourteen per. I mean, so what? Byron Jones last year was around like sixteen. I know Darius Slay was close to that as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So fourteen per. Okay. Firstly, it matches Trey Wayne's deal, which was three years, forty-two million dollars. So pff, Bengals are dumb. Uh, Kyle Fuller was also fourteen million per year over four years. Marcus Peters was fourteen million per year over three years. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's tied for ninth with Trey Wayne's, Kyle Fuller, and Marcus Peters. Come on, okay. that's good. That's that's perfectly fine. That's okay. right. That like that you could have been. A, Oh, you could have gone over that 14 line exactly, and I would have been like, "Yeah, that makes sense because of the names that are there." So to me, that's 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 just right. RockAuto.com. It's a family-owned business serving auto parts to customers online for over 20 years. If you go to RockAuto.com right now, you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different of manufacturers. They've got a very 
vast, unique catalog. It's very easy to to, 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 to navigate. If you go over to rockauto.com, look on the left-hand side, you can find your exact car and everything that they have in stock for it. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com, always reliably low. And it's the same for professionals as it is do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts they have available for your car or truck, right? Locked on NFL Draft in their little how did you hear about us section if you happen to go to their website. It would really help us out. They've got an amazing selection of reliably low prices, and I'm telling you, all of the car parts you're ever going to need over at rockauto.com. We've also been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bars on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bars with 100% chocolate in all of their bars. But now, it is time to find out which Built Bar is the best because it is Built Bar Madness. Go to BuiltBar.com or at Built underscore, no, at Bar underscore Built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKEDON15. Get 15% off your next order of whatever you're ordering over at BuiltBar.com. You can check out all the different flavors that they have. You can even, if you order a box, which comes with 18 protein bars, you can mix and match the box. So if you see a couple of different flavors that you know you love, you can try them out before fully committing to a box. But you can get 50% off the off the order on whatever you are, are ordering. One box, two box, however many, whatever you're doing. If you use the promo code LOCK15. Also, check back into rockauto.com and also on Twitter to see who won today's matchup and who will be crowned the best tasting protein bar. We got to talk some quarterbacks now. Because there's a couple big ones to get to. I think oh, first, we already talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick. We talked about the big one. You're right. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening to Locked On NFL Draft, everybody. Uh, Bye, we'll see friends. you next time. We got to talk about Andy Dalton going to the Chicago Bears. Because Andy Dalton going to the Chicago Bears, objectively, doesn't matter. I don't really give a crap. Doesn't move the needle. Doesn't help Chicago. Really just puts him in purgatory. Basically means that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are gone next year. But it also means Russell Wilson's probably not going anywhere. Because Adam Schefter also tweeted after the Andy Dalton deal that the Chicago Bears aggressively made a move for Russell Wilson. Aggression. And it just wasn't going to happen. So instead, Chicago's going to go into the year with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles as their two quarterbacks. I mean, was I too harsh there saying that this is basically, this becomes pointless? Because you got Allen Robinson on the franchise tag. He didn't sign a long-term deal. I'm assuming that the Chicago Bears are going to regress from the Miracle year they had last year, winning all those games at the beginning of the season with Mitchell Trubisky. So I don't think they're making the playoffs. I objectively think that Ryan Pace is going to be gone. Matt Nagy is going to be gone. The quarterbacks are going to be gone. Allen Robinson is going to be gone. We're one year away from the Chicago Bears blowing it up. Am I wrong? I would I, I would hope so. I mean, I will say that I expected aggression from Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. I thought they were going to go after it and get it. Because they needed to, because that this was this was job saving opportunity. They had to make sure they locked things down. If Andy Dalton was their bet at one year deal, that that's feeble. It's disappointing, and it's not going to deliver what's necessary. I I expected more. I expected desperation. We talked about them as a trade up candidate, as a mortgage the future candidate. This was a protect the future, get a bridge quarterback. Uh, do do does Matt Nagy think he's going to be there to see the bridge? Apparently he does. Yeah, uh, see the other side of the bridge, I should say. Uh, and he should not. He 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 should not have that job still. So it's I I get why they did it. Cause it's like all right, this is the best that we've got. But it's also like man, this this is 
this is it, huh? Like, we're just going to go out with a total whimper. And that whimper's name is 35-year-old Andy Dalton. Like, that's kind of sad. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it doesn't matter in the sense that the Bears aren't going to be good. Uh, I don't anticipate that. I do think that it uh, it matters in the sense of what Ryan Pace is trying to do as a as a general manager. It just seems like he's just trying to burn the clock out at this point. Yeah, it seems like they're coming limping towards the end of their tenure. It just doesn't it did they just didn't this is not the move. Like you said, it's it's really not. And maybe they don't have full blessing from ownership to mortgage the future to go get a quarterback. You know, because if both of these men, as you said, know that they are absolutely backs against the wall here, I think it would make sense for both of them to say, like, hey, let's basically burn every draft pick that we possibly can to go up and get Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Trey Lance so we can just say, like, hey, we've got the young quarterback now. Now you got to give us time to develop him. You can't get rid of us now. And maybe ownership was just saying, like, no, I'm not, unless you're going to get Russell Wilson, I'm not signing off on you making a deal where you're jumping into the top five. We're not doing that. Because I, I, I don't really see how, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here because I'm with you. I don't see how this helps them. I don't think it helps them at all. I think it, in fact, just puts another nail in their coffin. That's how I That's see it. That's frustrating, man. Yeah, it That's is. Just, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't think they have legs on Russell Wilson either, but I would have at least, like, trade up. Like, at least, like, just go that's, get. That's, that's that's a big jump, you know what I'm saying? Like, we've seen the price be high to move from the mid-teens up to the top fives in order to go get a quarterback that you need. They're moving from 20? They got to convince the Miami Dolphins to move from three to twenty. The New York Jets move from two to twenty. They're not going to do that. Who's doing that? But who's well, you're saying they, they, that person who needs to convince them is Ryan Pace. If Ryan Pace can't get that done, it doesn't matter. And like he's not going to well, be there to see it. Well, and, that, that's what I, that's probably what I'm saying. I don't know if do you think he has the green light to do that? No, like that. Like, I think like there's there's the. I think that I agree with you in the sense that like ownership probably doesn't want that to happen. But if you're preventing your GM from using future picks to make moves now, fire that GM. Well, He's not, you're not letting him do his job. I'm totally with you there. They should have made the move and they didn't. And now they're sitting here with Andy Dalton, and all they're going to do is waste time. And they're going to expect Chicago Bear fans to buy their tickets and care about their team and. It's just not going to be pretty. We got to talk about another quarterback, though. Much more interesting one. Sorry, Andy Dalton. That seemed mean. That was mean. We got to talk about Matt Ryan. Because, you know, not too long ago, head coach Arthur Smith, new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, new general manager Terry Fontenot, they were on scene, boots on the ground for Trey Lance's pro day. And we all went, this is it. They're doing it. They're going to draft Trey Lance at four. They're going to put him... Uh, you're right, actually. Go Birds is a different kind of bird. They're Always. going to draft Trey Lance, put it behind Matt Ryan, and then move on from Matt Ryan in two years. Mm, not so fast, my friend, in my best Lee Corso voice. Because on day two of the tampering period, Matt Ryan restructured his contract with the Falcons, giving them more cap space, but also spreading it out further over the next three years. So Ryan was due $23 million this year for a cap hit that was going to total $40.9 million. Instead, he took a $20 million change to that, that number, turned it into a signing bonus that is spread out over the next three years. So instead of Matt Ryan being 41 mil on the cap this year, 
He is now just $26.9 million on the cap. But his 2022 cap hit is $48.6 million. So not only is Matt Ryan not going anywhere this year, now there is not really even an opportunity for him to go anywhere next year. So that ruins the dream of potentially drafting a quarterback because if you think about it, if this guy is not even going to see the field until year three of his rookie contract, that's not good. That all of a sudden is taking away from the advantage of you drafting a quarterback early. So I think that Matt Ryan restructuring his contract the way that he did means that we are not getting a quarterback at number four. I think that that is now totally off the table for the Falcons. Would you agree? Yes. This is what Terry Fontenot was brought in to do. He was brought in to deal with a a Falcons team that was grossly uh, uh, over the cap for their inability to compete. You bring in Fontenot, who's from New Orleans, who's going to be able to deal with this bad cap situation, going to be able to make the necessary you know, mortgage into the future moves. It's got to be done in order to get cap compliant this year, while also having, hopefully, the keen scouting eye to bring in young, effective players on rookie deals such that you can go out there and, 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 and field a competitive team in a couple of years. It's clear that from their internal evaluations they believe that their best shot at doing that is with Matt Ryan over the next X number of years, four years, five years on this deal. And so that's what they're going for. I respect it. I get it. I I worry that it's going to hit a ceiling. You know, with Ryan, like, you know, the MVP season was under Shanahan. And now that we understand that offense more and what it does for quarterbacks, I think it's easier to understand kind of what Matt Ryan's ceiling is, and he's only gotten older since then. So there's a concern there. But other than that, yeah, I, I don't think if you if you'd gotten quarterback right, you would have still had positions you would have needed to solve on this team, mm. and you wouldn't have had the resources necessary to do it. And so they're going to stick with Ryan. They're likely going to focus a lot more on the rest of the roster, and hopefully that's going to turn out dividends for them. It's not a given, but hopefully it's going to turn out dividends for them, and they're going to be able to have a slow but successful moderate rebuild over the next couple of years that's where the falcons are right now bad roster no money this is going to take multiple seasons i think that they are a prime candidate to trade back now i really oh, do I, I i really do think that if i were a betting man i would put more money on the fact that the falcons are not going to select the number four overall than that they are because I agree it's, with you. Right. Not only do they have to believe that this is a probably two to three year plan to really get this roster where they want to get it. By that time, Matt Ryan will then kind of be over the hill. But until then, Matt Ryan's going to be good. They intend on Matt Ryan being good. Arthur Smith doesn't intend on not scoring points, not winning football games. They're still going to try to win football games. So if they have the number four overall pick right now, trading that back, getting, you know, shoot. I just talked about how difficult it would be for Chicago to move up from 20 to 4. If you're Atlanta, move from 20 to 4. It don't matter. Pick up first and second round picks over the next three years. You know, at that point, that I think makes the most sense for Atlanta. I think that Atlanta could be looking to trade back in the mid-teens, late-teens, something, anything. They could look at a team like New England. They could look at a team like San Francisco. Say, you want a quarterback, they might be on the board, come up and get them. So... If I'm the Falcons, I think that them trading into the middle of the first round and picking up as much 2020 and even 2023 capital that they can would actually be the most advantageous thing 
for their rebuild going forward. Not and not for nothing, but we we sit with Atlanta on mock drafts when we do mock drafts, which we're never doing them again. And we don't know where to. <laughs> yes, we what, are. What, People what are going to listen to this podcast and they're going to think that we're not going to do it again. We don't know what team to, what player to freaking give them. There's, they don't. None of their needs fit the top of this class. So get back anyway, because if you're not taking quarterback, you you you've got no business picking this early. It's not a good draft at the top. You don't need to go after one of the top wide receivers. You could go after Kyle Pitts because everybody could go after Kyle Pitts, and you don't really need to go after the top offensive lineman either. You need good defensive players at all three levels. You know what this draft does not have? What doesn't it have, Ben? Good defensive players in all three levels. So, <laughs> you you I, I, to me. Right. The Falcons now previously were a clear trade back team. Now, even more so. The well, only con- I didn't know if it was I, I don't I don't know if it was clear. I think it was on I mean, the table. Now I, I should, think it's clear. I, right. I should frame it this way. I think previously they were a QB or trade back team. And now they're much more so like a trade back team. I don't really anticipate sure. them going for another position besides quarterback. Um, But the only hesitation that I have here is Fontenot's background at a. Uh, at uh, uh, New Orleans, they don't trade back; they trade up. So I, I, it's not like he doesn't know how. I'm just saying, like that's that's how yeah, they always approach the draft. Set, yeah, but you set yourself up to be that kind of a organization if you make right, one big like, move here. And right, I you're not that, you're I not that team right that. now. Yeah, yeah, you're in a different stage. Right, I hear you. All right, let's go rapid fire for the last ten minutes. Of this one, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson signing with the Minnesota Vikings, two year deal, twenty two million dollars. Uh, they got some big boys up front. Figured they needed more of a mm-hmm. pass rusher, but. I guess you're trying to make it work. I'm it, Dalvin's probably about a, a ten million dollar player. I get that. I don't really get it from Minnesota in terms of like. I agree. I think that they need some juice up front, but you know, good player. Tennessee Titans move on from Dennis Kelly. Move on from Adore Jackson. Signed Janoris Jenkins. They've already moved on from Malcolm Butler. I mean, like this is just going to be a very different looking Titans team. By different, do you mean bad? Um, commit. I don't know if they're gonna be commit. Have a take. No, I'm not gonna do it. No, I'm not gonna do it. No, cowardice. No, no, I'm not gonna. No, I'm not gonna do he it. Okay, fearful. so okay, so they don't have. <laughs> you you said that like a like a Star Wars Jedi. He is fearful. Um, <laughs> okay, so they don't have Johnny Smith. They don't have Kelly. They don't have um Adam Humphreys. They don't have Corey Davis. They don't have Malcolm Butler. They don't have Adoree Jackson. They do have Bud Dupree. Big ups, Bud. 16.5? Uh, he year? got five years, 85 mil. Whew. That <laughs> is 17. Mother Mary. Uh, Healthy. Jalen Brown? He's an number Jayon? Yeah, Jayon Brown. Sorry, I, I always want to Jalen Brown it. is a guard for the Celtics? Yeah, so, you're right. <laughs> he is. Yeah, they might be bad. Yeah, I don't think the Titans are going to be as good this upcoming year. I think they're going to be markedly worse, corner, which is okay. Corner, corner becomes a huge need now for them, right? With mm-hmm. number twenty-two, if we're thinking about, I mean, wide receiver as well. You know, if you if you get a Rashad Bateman in there, I think that that makes a ton of sense. They they'll certainly need the offensive weapons. So, I think Rashad Bateman potentially Terrace Marshall if you're that high on him. You know, J.C. Horn's a guy you could look at. Greg Newsom. Those are probably those are the ones that pop out to me, as, as new draft needs for the Titans. I guess they probably need O-line, that, too, right? I, I got to right, look it uh, up. I'm, th- I'm thinking about I Wilson think, no longer being there and Kelly no longer being there. Right, and 
Kelly was like a fine right tackle. I get it from a cap perspective. I, I don't really get it from a good player perspective. Right. Um, I will say, I think that, you know, they, they did get Christian Fulton last year. Fulton played, had some oh, good right. reps. Yes, they have he Fulton. got banged up. Yeah. Right. Which I, I, like, I'm not sure how far in on, on Fulton you want to go. I'm not sure how, how much that's a, like a, I think you, know, you got to give him a chance, though. So I think that'll. I mean, you're going to have to, whether or not you want to. I'm just saying, well, no, I, sure. I don't think that should deter you from an early pick. So I think it's corner. I do think it is wide receiver because even if they're trying to rerun the Arthur Brown offense, Arthur Smith offense, you need multiple. You need two receivers. They didn't just lose Corey Davis; they also lost Khalif Raymond, and I think they lost Adam Humphreys as well. Like this is everybody. John New Smith, obviously. Right. The rest of the tight end room is still right. free agent. They have no pass catchers, so wide receiver is going to be there. Corner is going to be there. And then I, I think tackle could be there, but also in this offense, if you can just be huge and take a good first couple of steps, you wash a guy down on outside zone, you wash a guy down on duo. I think you can probably go cheap there if you want to. You can go lower there if you want to, but it is offensive line. So it's a tough, uh, that's a tough sell most of the time. Jacksonville Jaguars, we got to talk about them because they made a big splash on day two after not making much noise on day one. They bring in Marvin Jones, um, Tyson Lulu, Jihad Ward. They trade for Malcolm Brown, signed Sidney Jones, re-signed Sidney Jones, but then signed Shaq Griffin as well. I mean, they they just added a ton of Nick Carlos Hyde. How could I forget Carlos Hyde? Philip Dorsett, they got the speed. Because it's Carlos Hyde. Dwayne Smoot re-signed. Actually, I like Dwayne Smith as a rotational player. Roy Robertson Harris, three names. I like Roy Robertson Harris as a rotational player. Ray Sean Jenkins, four-year deal. That was like the biggest deal that didn't go reported last. Uh, uh, like that was a day one deal that he signed. It was a big end, and nobody really said anything about it. Four years, thirty-five million. That like Ray Sean is good, but that's woo. Jags made a huge splash. What do you think about the guys? I, I like Marvin Jones. I think it's a good veteran presence to go along with DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault. I don't think it it takes anything away from them addressing receiver early in the first or second round. I think that they could do this. Certainly not number one overall, but I think that they could still add some pass catchers there, even with Dorsett and Marvin Jones joining them. But I really like the Marvin Jones signing. Marvin Jones is a perfect example of how to approach free agency. He's a wide receiver two in Jacksonville. He doesn't take over uh, above DJ Chark at all. Chark's your wide receiver one. Chark has yet to play a 16-game season in the NFL. So if you're going to back up DJ Chark, I want you to be able to do the things that DJ Chark does in the event that Chark goes down. I need to put you in as my wide receiver one. Jones is a very good catch point player. DJ Chark is a very good catch point player. If there's a weakness to to Chark's game right now, which I believe there is, it's that he needs to be a better route runner and he needs to be a better releaser off the line of scrimmage. Marvin Jones is a veteran releaser off the line of scrimmage. He can play the X and Chark can play the Z when necessary. They both line up on the outside. They're going to give you vertical down the field, which means you get to leave LaVisca Chanel in the slot where he's going to be the most effective. It is a perfect fit and it costs them like $11 million over two years or something stupid. Great, great, great signing. It's one of the, it's just like a B level signing that's going to matter so, 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 so much by the time we start playing football. Their great, cor- great signing. Their corner room now is pretty filled out. I mean, they've got Shaq Griffin on one side, they have CJ Henderson on the other, and then they have Sidney Jones playing the slot because Sidney played a lot of slot for them last season. So you, you figure they have their three corners. And so now when you look at where they're picking in the third round, God, where is it again? It's 25. 25 is their, is their spot. 
you know, we, we thought about Greg Newsom as a potential pairing there. You know, J.C. Horn, if he makes it to 25, but I don't think that they're going to go there anymore. If they're going secondary, I really think that they would go safety instead. I think they'd have their eyes on Trayvon Merrick more than anything because of the tendencies that they had to play that single high last year. So I think corner is pretty well-rounded. I Not to say, again, that they're not going to add corner. It's just not a big need they have to address with one of their first three picks anymore. So they they got a lot of flexibility, I think. Shaq and CJ is an interesting grouping. Who do I want covering wide receiver ones? It probably changes based off of body type and skill set. If they're a player who can be beaten at the line of scrimmage, I want Shaq Griffin on them. Mm-hmm. If they're a player who's going to win on releases, I'd like to give CJ Henderson them in off coverage. Yeah, that that's the dance that I have to play. That can be tricky if your if your defensive coordinator can't get it right. You can't really line up left corner, right corner in that approach. And Shaq Griffin was a left corner, right corner approach in Seattle, if memory serves. So it's, it's I feel like that's I feel like that's more of a Seattle mold than necessarily a limitation mold, though. Sure, right. That's, like just, all, that's just always what Seattle seems to want to do. No, I don't disagree, but Shaq Griffin's been taking reps on one side of the field. That's, uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. For, for a while, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it changes your muscle memory. It changes your level of comfort. Uh, it's going to take some finagling. I would not be surprised if they have some growing pains early, and then they're a lot stronger in pass coverage in the back half of the year after they really settle in on a new scheme, new approach, young player, old player, and figure it all out. Last last guy that we're going to talk about before we get out of here, Tyrod Taylor, one-year deal, $12.5 Ty million. Dollars God, Taylor. To the Houston Texans. Somebody, I, I, I don't remember who it was, said that, like, I love Tyrod Taylor, but they have just this unbelievable, he has this unbelievable ability to sign with teams whose fan bases won't want him to play. And I thought that was amazing, right? Uh, yeah. Just like, oh, yeah. I'm in Cleveland. Everyone wants Baker. Baker. I'll go to the Chargers. Everybody wants Herbert. I'll go to uh, the Texans. The only way I'm playing is if they trade Deshaun. None of these fan bases actually want me to take any snaps. He's like the anti-Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. Like, <laughs> Whoever like he goes, every... like, this guy's going to be sucks because I love Tyrod. Yeah. He's awesome. I mean, like, for what he is, I don't think he's a franchise quarterback or anything, but, like, I really do love Tyrod's game. I think he's a good quarterback, and I think he's got the short end of the stick in a lot of chance in a lot of uh, his stops recently. But him getting a potential twelve and a half million dollar deal, I think that was nice for the Texans because it's it's obviously heavy incentives on if he ever becomes their quarterback one for whatever reason. So good for Tyrod. There we go. That's the day two recap of everything that happened in the legally tampering period. The official start of the twenty twenty one league year begins tomorrow on Wednesday. Ben and I aren't going to recap, or we're not going to devote a full episode to any free agency recap. If some big dominoes end up uh, end up falling tomorrow, we're, we're certainly going to mention it. But we're going to get back to our final prospect scouting rankings, notes, uh, film assessments. Event. We're moving on to the offensive side of the ball. We covered everything defense. If you missed any of those episodes, you can go back and listen to them. We covered... Safety, corner, off-ball linebacker, edge, and interior defensive tackle. We give you uh, all the scouting notes that we have on those guys, plus our final rankings. Now we're moving to the offense, and we're going with the offensive line. We're starting in the middle. We're starting with the interior offensive linemen, centers, and guards. That's coming up tomorrow. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.